Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. On this episode, Joshua was kind enough to jump on and co-host with us. Hey, Joshua, how have you been? I've been great. Busy, tired, the usual. <laughs> Nothing's really changed on that end. Glad to be back. I meant to ask you off air, but I guess I'll just do it on air, and then I can take it out if you want me to. What, how close is your wife to giving birth? Uh, a month. Our little boy is supposed to be born on uh, February 28th. I don't think he's going to make it because... Um, he's gigantic, so I have an offensive tackle uh, coming pretty <laughs> soon. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, I can't wait for that, and um, we'll obviously be celebrating you along the way for that. Thank you. On this episode, we have Evelyn. Uh, she has some really spooky stories that um, I listen to on TikTok. You can find her TikTok at E-X-E-L-Y-N-N. L -Y -N -N. But yeah, she's got a story about a ghost boy, some spooky stuff happened with her sister. And then we just learned that she grew up in a haunted house. Evelyn, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to be on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. One thing we like to find out when we have guests on is where they fall in what we call the Believometer. Zero meaning ghosts are not real and 10 ghosts are absolutely real. Where do you fall on that scale? Definitely 10. Yeah, based on your stories, that does not surprise me. How old were you when yeah. you had your, your first <laughs> supernatural experience? My first supernatural experience probably happened around eight years old. That's It, it, it started happening when I first moved into my what would be my childhood home for the remaining of my childhood so I was around eight okay and was everybody in your home a believer in the paranormal or was this stuff kind of happening around you and people didn't understand what was going on so un like unfortunately uh it really only affected my sister and I we were the ones to see everything my younger I'm the oldest of four kids my younger brothers were oblivious or maybe just too young and then my parents were have been like scared and then just wanted to like not acknowledge it but they would not believe us yeah that seems to be how it goes in a lot of these it's uh the parents just don't I understand don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> we would love to hear about that haunted home if you could tell us some more about that we moved in and the only thing I knew about the house was at a young age was that a priest used to live there that was like my first knowledge of the home. And jokingly, I remember thinking, oh, what if it's filled with spirits? And it was. <laughs> As I grew up, I was like, oh, that came to fruition. Um, there was a lot of weird things that would happen, like as far as noises, um, sounds coming from where there was nobody at. Like you'd go open the doors or go into a certain bedroom where banging was happening and then nothing was there um my sister and i saw weird things in our room and overall just had a lot of different experiences that really led me to believe ghosts are real i mean i have a lot of stories and we'll probably dive into that soon 
let me ask you this were your parents like ever religious or were they kind of on the opposite side of that um growing up uh they were not religious i mean they had like both religious backgrounds but they weren't active while they were like parenting us and so we actually grew up in a household where we weren't forced to go to church or anything and they took turns teaching us what they had learned and then told us when you're old enough, you can decide what you want to do, which I did later on. Now my mom is extremely religious and my dad's not, but it's just really interesting how that happened. And I will say with the whole priest thing, I do say that the spirits that I grew up around and the things that I saw weren't necessarily evil. There were a couple of times that it was definitely dark energy, but for the most parts, the spirits were really harmless just more annoying than anything it's kind of a cool to hear that too i also grew up in like haunted place. like my grandma just always picked a haunted house to live in so i can relate to this specifically <laughs> i'm already just thinking ahead like how the parallel to maybe like when the priest moved out they were looking for some attention because he was kind of their spiritual conduit and then he just kind of attached himself to y'all essentially and or they oh, kind yeah. of attached themselves to y'all in a, in a yeah. sense Yes. Um, I definitely like one of the things that I always tell people is that I 100% believe that some of the spirits that lived in the home were kids because they loved to get us in trouble. So some of the small stuff that we experienced were so stupid and so minuscule that it literally was so small enough that my parents would yell at us and then ask us, like, confront us. Who did this? Whatever it was. And all of us would be like, why would we do that? And it was like, okay, well, no one owns up to it. So you're grounded. <laughs> but, but I went to lunch with my dad a, a few weeks ago. And I was talking to him about this after the viral ghost boy video blew up. And he, and he told me, he's like, you know what, now that I'm older, and I look back on it, he's like, why would you guys do some of the stuff that we accused you of? And he believes in the ghost now because he still lives in that home and there's stuff that happens that he still recognizes, but he's just kind of like, Hey, I let you live here. Knock it off type stuff. It sounds like such a dad. You're not paying rent in this house. Cut it out. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> that sounds like that the quote unquote ghost boy story that took place um, outside of that home. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Well, let's just go ahead and jump into that story and then we'll kind of work our way around the hauntings within that home. When I was 13 years old, my sister and I had shared a bedroom and my twin bed was by the door. Her twin bed by, was by the window. We would sleep with the window open at night. We were on the second floor, so we weren't scared of anything coming in, but we would sleep with the window open at night. And one night I wake up, it's like 3 a.m. And I look over at my sister's bed and she's sitting at the edge of her bed, looking out the window, very eerie like. And I'm like, what is happening? And I whisper her name. Her name is Princess. Um, and I'm like, Princess. And she turns around and she's like, come here. Very, very like quietly. She's like, come here. So I'm like, okay. So I get up and I go over to her bed and I sit next to her and I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, look outside the window. And so I look, I try to like pull down the blind to look more. She's like, no, just a little bit. So I'm like, okay. So I pull it down and I'm looking at the blinds. I don't see anything. Okay. It's a, just an empty street. It's 3am. Like, what am I looking at? And then out of nowhere, literally just out of nowhere comes running down the street, this little boy, probably no much, no older than like five, honestly, maybe four he's running down the street and then he goes out of view. And I look at her like, 
what, like, was that a kid? What, what, what is happening? And then she's like, wait, then a few moments pass. The little boy runs right across the street again, out of view. She turns to me and she says, he's been doing that for the last 10 minutes. And I'm like, what? So she was woken up because our window was open. She was woken up by like the running sound on the road. And it's not on the sidewalk. It's like in the middle of the road. This little boy is just running back and forth. So we're watching him for a couple of minutes. And then she goes, get your camera. So I have been documenting my life since forever, literally since you had to put a VHS tape in a giant recorder and like hold it on your shoulder. So she, so I always had like little cameras around. So she said, get your camera. So I quickly grab my camera and it's just a little point and shoot. And the whole reason that I wanted to record, some people were confused. Some people were like, why are you, where are you trying to record? I'm like, cause I wanted to one record this so we could show our parents so that we'd be like, what is this creepy thing happening? So I stick my camera through the window blinds and he's running, he's coming into sight now. So I stick my camera through the window blinds and right as I press record, this little boy stops immediately, like dead in his tracks. And he turns and he looks up at us and makes eye contact right in our second floor window. And right as he does that, my sister and I like fling off the bed, the blinds like make a loud noise. And we're just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And she's like, did you get that? I look at my camera and it's off. It is off, it's, it's off and it won't turn on. She looks back out the window, boy's gone just disappears like there's no more running back and forth finally a couple minutes pass my camera turns back on and when I go to liter to find the playback it's gone there's no footage and did y'all ever hear of a little boy running through the middle no. of the night or see him again or anything no like that? and that's the thing is, you know people have said maybe it was a neighbor kid I we grew up in a very tight-knit community I knew all my neighbors I knew all my neighbors kids wasn't him and thought okay maybe it was some rando but like the fact that the second we clicked record and it stopped its pattern of what he'd been doing by now for 15 minutes and turned immediately and looked at us that just gave me like such chills that I was like this is not normal this, this is not normal and I know the paranormal mess with electronics and so they don't like to be captured that's the part of the story where it's like okay like you know, there could be some like some type of explanation to this. He's running up and down the street. Maybe a kid is just I, I skipped out my window and I'm just going <laughs> to run like I've always wanted to do this. But it's it's when you stuck the camera through the blinds, it's actually the most it's jarring. Like there's, there's it's hard to find an explanation for that, because right. how would first of all, how would the boy even know that you were looking at him? And how would he know that the camera was right there? I and mean, how would he know that you were recording unless like something it, paranormal yeah. was happening? And you have to remember, it's 3 a.m. It's dark. And we did not turn our bedroom light on. So we, my sister and I are in the dark. So exactly. Two floors up on a home. He's in the middle of the street. Like for it to be perfect timing of him stopping and immediately whipping his head, whipping, like whip and just look at us like, no. The only thing that I could think of, like the only <laughs> logical thing I could think of is that phenomenon where you're in your car and you're just driving and you just happen to look over at somebody and they just happen to look over at you at the same time and it's always i try this out on the road all the time and it's always so weird to me because it's just like how would you know that i'm looking at you and right. you look at me at the same time and now we make this awkward eye contact in the car yeah. but even then in the pitch black that's that's a hard sell for that phenomenon so that's exactly that's wild 
did the kid look like he was of our time? I mean, did it look um, appropriate? Well, he was wearing pajamas. He was just wearing like blue striped pajamas. And then people have told me in the, so I shared this story on TikTok, not thinking it was going to go viral. It was a Susie stitch. I was just like, oh, crazy story. Here's my crazy story. Because my sister and I have been telling the story for like over a decade to people just randomly. And uh, there's some people in the comments that are like, oh, you've seen Pajama Boy. He's an urban legend. And I was like, what? I had no idea about Pajama Boy. But apparently he's a Native American urban legend. That's a new one for me, Joshua. Have you ever heard of that one? That is a brand new one for me too. Yeah. I'm I'm so intrigued by that though. I'm I'm definitely gonna do some research once we get off this well, off this episode. See, what, but what's so funny is that I didn't do research. So like even after finding this out, I was like, I don't know if I want to know. But like if you go to the TikTok video for a while, you know how they have like a search suggestion now. Um, for a while it was uh Pajama Boy Urban Legend, and I was like, what? Oh, that's, that's wild. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's rare. I feel like this far into the podcast that we can learn new things, but uh, I'll take it. That's I'll have to go uh, if if I get brave enough, I can look into Pajama <laughs> Boy. <laughs> Although I don't know if I want Pajama Boy in my search history. Now that I think about it, maybe I'll just have to take <laughs> your word on that being an urban legend. Well, yeah, that that's certainly strange, and especially talking about how you felt like there was a child spirit energy in the home things were kind of going awry in like a very kid spirit way. So you had that happen. That's certainly strange. Was there anything else that was as visually demanding as that where like you saw it and it really struck you that hard? Yes. So it has to do with my closet. And oh. uh, so my sister and I were in our room and we're just hanging out. It's like a late night and all of us, and we have those closets, you know, those closets where, it's a basic closet. It's like, you can slide one door this way, slide one door this way, or both of them together. Okay. Mm -hmm. Basic closet. Um, we're just chilling on our room. I'm sitting on my bed. I don't know, doing something she's drawing. And all of a sudden from the closet door from inside the closet, we hear like a noise, like as if something was rumbling in the closet. And we were like, we both paused and didn't say anything and then just kind of went back to doing our thing because we got so used to that we got so used to hearing like weird noises and then just being like do we acknowledge it or not and most times we chose not so we just kind of paused heard it went on but then we heard more rumbling in the closet so I, I instantly yell my brother's name my little brother's name I'm like Chris get out of the closet because he would sometimes hide in the closet to try to scare us to try to spook us you know and he didn't respond and I still hear the rumbling. So I'm just like, Chris, get out of our room. By this point, we stand up and we walk towards the closet. And right before I'm about to open the closet door, you know how these closets are on like hinges, right? Sliding hinges. Right before I'm about to open the closet door, the entire closet like boom, like pushes out outside of its hinges, like coming towards us. And my sister and I both like jumped back. And so I'm like thinking, did he really just kick the closet? Like, did he really just kick the closet? And I'm like, Chris, and I open it up and there's nobody in there. My brother's not in there. Nothing in our closet had fallen. It's not a walk-in closet, so it's not big. It's like, has a shelf, the clothes, and we had a little like table in there. Nothing fell. Nothing was out of place. But this entire closet suddenly just pushed forward towards me and unhinged itself. I don't know how you explain that. That's and, a big you know, no for me. 
This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey y'all, it's Noah Daniels and oh boy, I just got my box of Wild Grain bread and pasta. My whole family has been so excited to dive in. We started with a sourdough and it was amazing. If you're looking to make Mother's Day brunch planning easier or just looking for a great gift for your mom, you've got to check out Wild Grain. Order before May 6th to get your box in time for Mother's Day. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads fresh pastas and artisanal pastries every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less no thawing required the next thing up for us to try is the biscuits with our breakfast and you can now fully customize your wild grain box so you can choose any combination of breads pastas and pastries you can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. It's a big no for me because um, actually thinking back on it, if I were to label something as my first paranormal experience, it was when I was five and it had to do with a closet and it was seeing the man in the hat. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but yeah. it was him in the closet bald crawled cried my eyes out so much that my sister sent me a tiktok like a month ago and it was about a woman who was saying have you seen this man and she moves out of the way and then boom it shows the man in the hat i instantly started crying i instantly started crying i didn't know he was also like a really big phenomenon oh man well we were gonna bring the man in the hat into the zoom but hold on let me uh text him <laughs> <laughs> um, <I believe. laughs> was it was it like a shadow man or did you see the actual like like uh representation of like a human form i saw his face Dude. so like not only did i see like i saw this the silhouette of like his trench coat and the hat but i saw the only thing that was illuminated was his face because the only light in the room at the time at my grandmother's house was one of those weird fiber optic like lights that swayed and changed colors and that was the only thing that illuminated his face. And it literally terrified me. That, that's what I will ex probably label as the first time I ever saw anything strange. And since then, closet door closed. I sleep with my door locked too. I actually had a sleep paralysis episode. I I've had sleep paralysis before, but I never had anything like this happen. Two nights ago, uh, my wife was downstairs working and um, I had gone to bed. I was like in that kind of twilight sleep. Ugh, so creepy. And my... Um, 
right hand was like um kind of behind the uh the bed like uh kind of like it is right now right here yeah i felt what i thought was her hand like comfort my hand like put it over top of my hand and kind of squeeze and so i was <laughs> like i was like oh she's in bed that's nice and then when i looked over there was no nobody in bed with me and i like shot up like, immediately and I just like, my heart was racing and, um, I was like, okay, it's sleep paralysis, like go back to sleep. Sure. Everything's going to be fine. But I've never had a sensation of touch with my sleep paralysis mm. before. It's always just been that I see a spider come down or <laughs> one other time I saw some kind of figure next to me, like shadow man type thing, but I've never been like, physically touched. It was weird. Cause I have like a sense memory now from that, you know? That's um, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I do not like that. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, I, I do like not that. like sleep paralysis. I've experienced that before too. It's not fun. Well, I, I feel like that's a pretty good transition. Uh, not that it's exactly sleep paralysis, but the story about your sister when she was dreaming, I'd love to hear that. My sister, and I want to preface because I had to ask permission for her to even share that TikTok because for her, it was absolutely terrifying. It actually like really left a mark on her for a while before I say this, I just want to say that, you know, when I tell these stories, tell them very whimsically, but this stuff is real and it did happen to us. And some people are jealous that it happened. And I don't, I don't think you want this stuff to happen to you because it can be very scary. So I want to say that. Um, my sister experienced a lot of paranormal stuff in the house that was more terror filled. My dad called it demonic. Um, he, when I went to lunch with him, he said, everything you experienced was very mysterious or, or strange or weird. He said a lot of things your sister experienced was very demonic, almost terror filled. So very interesting. Um, she does not dream. And whenever she did dream growing up, she would only dream in black and white and they would only be nightmares. So that's a very specific thing. So I got used to her waking up to a nightmare and just being, she was never one to like really overreact, but you know, she would wake me up and be like, oh, I just had a bad nightmare. And so I was used to that. Well, this one night I'm laying in bed and I am texting this boy. It's like 1 a.m. I'm texting this boy that I go to school with and we're talking about, ironically, the dream realm. And my sister starts to scream like at like out of nowhere she just starts screaming and it's a piercing scream that has me jumping out of my bed and turning on the lights like what what is happening i go over to her bed and she's like tossing and turning with her eyes still closed and she, but she's screaming and i'm like i'm like princess and i try to like shake her and wake her up and she's she's just like shaking in bed and so i run to my parents room which is right next door and i I burst through the door and I turn on the light. They're already kind of up because they heard her scream. And I'm like, come, come in here right now. And they go in there and my dad is like shaking her and she will not open her eyes, but she's still screaming. So this is like terrifying for me because I'm just standing there. It's 1 a.m. My mom's standing at the door. My dad's trying to wake her up. And finally she wakes up, she opens her eyes and she's in shock, obviously, because all of a sudden everyone's like staring at her, looking at her and she's like hyperventilating. She can't breathe. She, uh, so he tells her to sit up, she sits up and she's just trying to compose herself while my parents are like, what happened? She starts to explain that she was in a nightmare and there were these guys who were trying to take her and they were beating her and just, just all of this really bad stuff. And then we notice 
the marks on her neck. She has across her neck what looks like rope burns. It looks like somebody had taken a rope and literally just burned into her skin. And because it wasn't just like a red line, it was, I could see the little rope patterns and it was red and bruised. And this was terrifying for, for her, for us. And a lot of people in the comments would say it could be a sleep paralysis demon or that this stuff does happen to people. She got the the most extent of it because we both would wake up at times with bruises on our body, scratches on our legs, strange stuff like that. She even woke up, she used to sleep with her slippers on. She even woke up one time with a burn hole as if someone had held like fire to the bottom of her foot and burned through the bottom of her slipper. And we don't know how to explain that. So that's the story with her. And in the TikTok I shared, I even have proof of, I had the boy I was texting at 1 a.m. I, I sent him a text message and I show the screenshot of the day and the time. It's like 1 something a.m. saying like what had just happened to my sister. I do want to ask you this. Is there anything that runs in your family like that as well? Any type of sensitivity? So I, I did talk to my dad about this because it did this whole, after it all blew up, you know, I was talking to him about, I have always felt like I've had these psychic abilities, whatever you want to call them, right? I've seen the future in my dreams multiple times. I hear the, I hear the phone before it rings all the time. Like I have to be very careful with my words because they're very powerful and they come like things come true. I was talking to him about it and he was like, you know, your ancestors are Mayan because I'm Guatemalan and I've done my DNA and I, and I am related to Mayan indigenous people, to a bunch of others, Aztec, um, some Incan. I'm, my DNA thing is all over. So I do have a lot of indigenous in me, which, you know, they practiced a lot of interesting things like that. My aunt, so my mom's sister, she actually, my mom and all her siblings experienced paranormal activities when they grew up in Los Angeles. It doesn't matter where, every apartment they moved to. So it was always interesting. That's why I always thought my mom necessarily maybe didn't not believe it, but I think she was too scared to want to give it its power. So that's why she always dismissed it because she grew up with uh, things that would follow them in different apartments that they lived in in Los Angeles. My great grandma, she was a, I forgot the word, my dad told me, but she was a, a healer in Guatemala. She was a healer, did a lot of energy work and like herbal, herbology work too. So, Well, that leads me to one of my favorite questions. Do you believe that the hauntings that were taking place in that house was specifically connected to you and your sister? And because of you guys being there, the hauntings were taking place or were the hauntings based on maybe the previous history and energy of that home? And you just happened to be there and bring the spirit activity out of the house? I honestly don't know. And a lot of the, one of the number one questions that people have asked is, have you looked up the history of your house? Other than like, it's basic information that I can find online. I don't know really how else to find what other history of like, maybe what the land was before. So I don't know the history of the house other than a priest used to live there. When it comes to if maybe it played out more because of my sister and I, I think so. Just because again, it is, there is some truth to when you do give things attention, they pop up more, right? And so like my sister and I did acknowledge things and whether it was because we had that, we were young and we had that, that veil was thinner or maybe just because we've always just paid. So, it, 
so attention to our surroundings. My sister and I are very both self-aware, extremely self-aware. My brothers are not. <laughs> and so that's why I say sometimes I feel like they were just oblivious to it. Me and my sister, are, I mean, all my siblings are really smart, but my sister and I definitely have shared this very detail-oriented, being super aware of our surrounding mind. And I have a photographic memory too, which is why I can recall all of this um, and I'll tell all these stories as if it just happened yesterday. So I don't know if that plays a part into it, but yeah, we definitely were the ones that saw or experienced the most. I'm so impressed by people that photographic memories. I could not even tell you who my sixth grade teacher was. No <laughs> oh idea. That's wild to me. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> um, well, so you had these things happen when you were in your home, and I'm sure you had some other things happen there as well. Now that you have grown up and you've gotten a little older, has the activity stopped? It's definitely not as much as I, it was growing up. So that sometimes does lead me to believe that maybe it is just the home thing. Even in high school and after high school and even now, there are some things that happen that my immediate reaction, if I was younger, still living in the home, would be to acknowledge it as spiritual or as ghost-like. Now that I'm older, I do kind of tend to try not to acknowledge it because I don't want to bring all that energy back because I do know that I'm very sensitive to it, um, which is so ironic because I'm a scaredy cat. I'm a scaredy cat. Like, I don't like scary movies. I don't go to haunted houses. And my siblings are all into that. And I'm like, why do I have this thing to be able to see and have seen some of like these scary things when I don't want it? And you know what? People actually kind of always say that that's usually the case is because, and again, a lot of people in my comments are like, I love scary things. I wish this stuff happened to me or, you know, and it's funny because I'm like, I never wished for this stuff to happen to me. I relate to that. I, I'm a big scaredy cat and got the bright idea to do this podcast. And here I am four years later, still <laughs> dreaming about episodes after I edit them where demons are holding me down and things like that. You know, as much as I look into stories like these and as much as I'm in these places, like people are like, yeah, man, I like you get you got to stay in like a haunted place. And I'm like, honestly, if I'm going to be completely honest, if I'm going to be really, really honest with you, despite the things that I do and my like what I choose to do. I would rather just sleep in a normal hotel and just have a night because it's really not as luxurious and like glamorous yeah. as people try to make it out to be. It really is kind of like putting lipstick on a pig or like polishing a turd. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, like some of the stuff is really, truly scary and traumatizing. And you hold on to a lot of these events mm -hmm. as you get older. Can I just say that if I have to choose between putting lipstick on a pig or <laughs> polishing a turd, I don't care how much you polish a turd, get that away from me. I will take a pig wearing lipstick any day of the week to hang out with. I also just always wanted a pet pig, so I don't understand. Anyway, oh uh, no turds, please. <laughs> Evelyn, we appreciate you coming and sharing your stories with us. Those are fascinating and definitely spooky. There's something about children ghosts that I think really strike people in a hard way. Maybe it's because we look at kids as being so innocent and the idea of a um, deceased child running around and bringing that energy with them or the fact that a lot of people say that you know maybe evil or demonic spirits like to hide in the presentation of a child to gain access or you know whatever it is that that they're there for um so yeah that's terrifying and the story about your sister you know that's awful did yeah. she ever have that happen again where she got uh, not to that sleep? Extent. Um, okay. We would still wake up, you know, with with scratches and bruises. And I will say, like I said, my dad still lives in the house today, and he still wakes up sometimes to like all the cupboards and 
kitchen door drawers open. Well, on that note, uh, can you tell our audience where they can go and check out all your TikTok videos? Um, you have a lot of great content on there. You talk about more than just the paranormal. I would, as you classify yourself as a storyteller. So if our audience has enjoyed hearing you on here and they want to find out more, where can they do that? Yeah, um, you could find my TikTok. It is excellent, E-X-E-L-Y-N-N-N. My name is Evelyn. And pretty much once you find that TikTok, the link in bio, you can find me everywhere else across all social media. And Joshua, if they want to check out your OnlyFans. Um, it'll be JD6969 oh, with a smiley face. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you can find me at Joshua Darren everywhere. That's D-A-I-R-E-N. Um, we got some coffee coming out the coffee shop now. So like, look for that online link. And um, yeah, some merch is coming soon from there too. So help me be less tired by supporting my coffee shop. And they want to go to your coffee shop. Where can they do that? You can go to Opelika, Alabama, the downtown historic district. We are 122 South 8th Street in Opelika. Uh, come see me. I'm always there. Like, always there. Come, come find me. We sell really good coffee and... Uh, yeah. You can get all the stories in person. Um, also, hello, Sam. <laughs> and for people wondering where that is, that is near Auburn University. So if you find yourself yeah. near Auburn, you can find Joshua at his coffee shop. As we make our rounds doing plugs, I will be at the Oregon Ghost Conference in March. I believe it's OregonGhostConference.com and check that out. I'm going to be teaching a class uh, on how to start a successful paranormal podcast. It also looks like I'm going to be doing a live podcast there as well. So I'd love to see some of you guys in person so if you're in Oregon or near that area please come check it out so with that I'm Noah Daniels I'm Joshua Darren and I'm Evelyn Salazar <laughs> contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.